Would you pray with me? Father, I am overwhelmed this morning by your grace. Your grace that has gone before me, Lord. Your grace that continues to woo me unto you. And your grace that is way ahead of me. Father, may your name be glorified in this sanctuary this morning. I ask that you would anoint me this morning, Lord. I pray, Father, this morning that the, the words that roll off of my tongue this morning, Father, would come straight from your heart. I ask that you would hide me behind the cross today, Lord. I don't want to be seen this morning, Father, or heard. I want you to be heard today, Lord Jesus. We come here to glorify you, Lord. We come here to magnify your name, to lift you up. Father, because you are worthy. We thank you, Lord, this morning for being so good to us. Father, and we don't deserve it. It's only through your grace that you see us the way that you do, Lord. I pray that you would move throughout this congregation this morning, Father. Father, I pray that you would reach down and you would lift the roof off of this building right now, Father God. And I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on this place. Be glorified in everything we say and do this morning, God. Father, I love you this morning. And I'm going to give you the glory, Father. This is not about me. This is all about you, God. I pray that that would be clear. I love you. I thank you, God, for this awesome opportunity and privilege to speak to your people this morning. For it's in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ that we pray and give thanks today. Amen. If you would, remain standing. I saw some of you getting ready to sit down. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn to the book of Jonah? And if you're not careful, you will miss it. It's a little short book, but I want to read to you this morning the text that I have chosen, the text that God has chosen. It's Jonah chapter 3, starting with verse 10, and we're going to go on through the end of the book, through chapter 4, verse 11. If you're there, say amen. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die 
than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. That's just like us. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed up the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said to God again, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah the second time, Do you have any right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and as many cattle as well. Jonah, should I not be concerned about that great city? You may be seated. <clears throat> May of 2002, my wife and I got the call to move to Nazarene Bible College, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Well, after we had talked it over, <clears throat> we decided that we would fly out. You know, we'd kind of check the place out. You know, how come when God calls us to do something, we always have to go check it out first? <laughs> you know, you, you, one would think that God was leading us into a trap. Well, God, you know, I know you've called me to Nazarene Bible College, but I've got to go check it out for myself. <clears throat> After we'd flown out back home again, we decided it was the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah, whatever. God already knew it was the right thing to do. We put our house on the market to be sold, and this is what we said to God. We put out a fleece, and if you've never put out a fleece, I don't recommend it. We said, God, if this is really what you want us to do, I want you to sell my house by June 30th. <laughs> God said, yeah, right. <laughs> June 30th came and went. God sold my house on July 3rd. Just a few days later, which showed me that God does have a sense of humor, and God doesn't like those fleeces that we put out to him either. I titled my sermon today, Conditional Obedience. Because I believe that we have a tendency of putting conditions on the things that God asked us to do and the places that God asked us to go. I received an email a number of years ago with a list of Christian bumper stickers in which one read this, most people want to serve God but only 
in an advisory capacity. Did you catch that? Most people want to serve God, but only in an advisory capacity. <clears throat> I found there are many times that we put conditions on the things God asks of us, only to find ourselves angry at God when the things don't work out the way that we had planned them. You see, folks, we seem to forget a lot of times that when God calls us, it's not about us. It's about God. It's about what God wants to do through us. There's a man in the Old Testament from the scripture we just read that fits, at least for me, this description to a T. His name is Jonah. I want to paraphrase Jonah's story. And as I was thinking about this last night, uh, this paraphrase is going to be southern version, so you'll have to forgive me. Jonah was asleep on his cot one morning. God woke him up and said, Jonah, you need to go to Nineveh, and you need to tell those people that the wrath of God is fixing to come upon them if they don't change their evil ways. Kids are funny. For those of you who have kids, you remember when your kids were little and you would tell your kid not to do something? You know, and kind of as soon as you would turn around, that kid, he's kind of watching. And as soon as you turn your back on him, he does it anyway. You remember those days? I remember those days. Well, I think that's kind of what Jonah did. God said, go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, the heck with this. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm going the other direction. I'm going to Tarshish. And that's exactly what he did. He jumped on board the boat. Where he headed for the water. He spotted a boat in the opposite direction of Nineveh. He jumped aboard the boat. But it wasn't smooth sailing. The sea began raging. The waves crashed up over the boat, the scripture tells us. And the crew was scared. The scripture says that each of the crew members prayed to his own God. They were frantically trying to figure out who was to blame. They cast lots. And the lot fell on Jonah. Jonah tells them if they want to save themselves, here's what you got to do, guys. Throw me over and you'll be saved. You know, when a question comes to my mind, I wonder why God just didn't let Jonah die right there. You know, Jonah's been disobedient. God told him, he gave him a specific command to go to Tarshish, or go to Nineveh, rather, and Jonah chose to go to Tarshish. He went the other way. God could have said, Jonah, you've disobeyed me, now you're on your own. But God didn't do that. And I praise God that he still doesn't do that today. God sent Jonah a rescue boat. It just happened to be in the form of a whale. Not the kind of rescue boat that I want. Scripture tells us Jonah spent three days and three nights in the hull of that boat, or in the belly of that whale. Jonah then prays to God. His prayer goes something like this, and again... I'm paraphrasing. And this is more in today's language than it would have been 
Jonah's language. I picture Jonah saying this, just as we would say this, God, I screwed up again. And you know, God, I don't blame you for the circumstances that I found myself in. God, I want to make things right. I want you to forgive me. God then commands that whale to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Now hold on to your seats for a second. Have you ever thought about... <clears throat> have you ever thought about what Jonah looked like after that whale spit him out? <laughs> you know, I know that's kind of silly, but that's kind of how my mind works. <clears throat> have you ever seen a cat spit up a furball? <laughs> I told you to hold on. That's kind of what my mind, in my mind's eye, I kind of picture Jonah looking like when that whale spit him out on that beach. <laughs> oh, that, that must have been nasty. You know, I pictured his hair is just all matted down. I know you probably don't need the details, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. He's covered in mucus. Ugh. And imagine what he must have smelled like. Oh, my goodness. Well, after Jonah gets himself all cleaned up, the Lord tells him once again, go to Nineveh. And what do you think Jonah's response was the second time? <laughs> it wouldn't have taken me three times. <clears throat> have you ever scalded your child for something and then asked them afterwards if they understand? You know, and you can just see your child looking up at you with those little sad puppy dog eyes. And they say, yes, sir, I understand. You know, and I kind of picture that's what Jonah did. Jonah had been scalded. Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of a whale. And I don't think he was in any shape or frame of mind to disagree with God again. Jonah marched right over to Nineveh, and he preached the message that God had told him to preach. Except Jonah got a response that he wasn't expecting. Instead of the Ninevites rejecting God's word as Jonah had thought, the scripture tells us that they believed in God. They turned from their wicked ways. They prayed and fasted until the Lord heard them. They repented of their wickedness. Well, I want to look at Jonah's attitude this morning, found starting in chapter 3, verse 10, through chapter 4, verse 3. This is Jonah's attitude. When God saw what they had did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion on them and did not bring the destruction that he had threatened. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. And see, there's some things that we need to understand about Nineveh and why Jonah didn't want to go there in the first place. You see, there's a reason that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian army. The Assyrian armies had conquered much of the world at the time, and they were pushing their way even closer to Israel's borders. John Wesley wrote this in his commentary on the book of Jonah. Was not Jonah's own nation in imminent danger of being attacked 
by this monster to the northeast. Well, no wonder Jonah didn't want to go. No wonder he ran. Wesley goes on to say, Jonah was an ardent patriot. He hated Nineveh and all for which she stood. And it pleased Jonah to know that God's patience with this wickedness of Nineveh was coming to an end. It pleased Jonah to know that God was getting ready to destroy this nation. I was in my car one morning. We still live in Virginia. I was on my way to work and down this two-way highway, and this guy just come flying past me this one morning. And not just me, but he was rolling. He was flying past everyone. He was in and out of cars, weaving from lane to lane. And I was thinking, you know, we all have those thoughts. I was thinking, I hope there's a state trooper right up there. <clears throat> and that's exactly what I thought that morning. I thought, you know what? I hope this guy gets what he deserves. Well, about a mile up the road, the state trooper had this guy pulled over. And I just couldn't help myself. I went by. I honked the horn a couple times. And I kind of waved to him. And I kind of thought in my mind, you got what you deserve, pal. You got what you deserve. And, and in my mind, I kind of think that's what Jonah thought. That's what Jonah was thinking, that Nineveh was going to get what they deserved. And I could hear Jonah saying, no mercy, God. Show them no mercy. Jonah watched as the Ninevites repented of their evil ways, and he watched God restore them. Jonah was furious, and he says to God, with that little ungrateful for getting me out of that whale attitude, See, see God, I told you, I told you this was going to happen. You are so gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. I am so mad, God, I could die. Jonah says, take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Have you ever been this angry? Have you ever been so angry that you shook your fist at God? And you said, God, I am tired of this, and I'm not doing this anymore. I'm tired of the circumstances that surround me. And God, this is not how things are supposed to be. Some time ago, I found myself in this predicament. I found myself so angry at God and so angry with the circumstances that I had found myself in that I just wanted to die. In fact, I remember through that time that I had gotten to the point where I just couldn't take it any longer. I was angry. I was upset. I was disappointed, and I had become depressed. I was so angry with God because he had allowed these things to take place in my life. And just as Jonah did, I asked God twice to take my life. I said, God, I don't want to do this anymore. 
I'm tired of these circumstances. I'm tired of the situation that I'm in, and I can't see any way out of it. I'd had enough. I was tired of going through all the stuff. But God said, no. God said, I'm not going to do it. Just like he did to Jonah. And I praise God. <clears throat> I praise God that he didn't give up on me. <clears throat> Let's look at God's compassion. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. He sat in its shade and he waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm was chewed up the vine and it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. You know, God could have just let Jonah drown in that ocean. He didn't have to save him. <clears throat> but he did because he wanted to teach Jonah something. Just like he wanted to teach me something. Just like he wants to teach you something. You see, Jonah just couldn't get the big picture. He couldn't see that even though the Ninevites were evil people, taking the entire world captive that they were still God's children. All Jonah could see is that what they were doing was affecting him and his people. He was short-sighted. And isn't that just like us to do? We get so caught up in us that we can't see anything else except those things that affect our lives. We, like Jonah, are pretty selfish. We live in a world that's all about me, me, me. It's all about what I want. It's all about my comfort. It's all about what you can do for me. As long as my needs are met, as long as I'm comfortable, and as long as whatever you do doesn't affect me. But if you dare interrupt my comfort, you're going to pay for it. And that was Jonah's attitude. Jonah wanted God to bless him and his country. He wanted God to bless his comfort and destroy those who would dare get in the way of that. Jonah looked to God to blot out anyone who stepped in his comfort zone. Isn't that just like us? We make stupid decisions every day that greatly affect our lives and our country, yet God continues, God continues to show his mercy, and he continues to shower us with his grace, even though we don't deserve it, because that's who he is. 
God's compassionate. Well, let's put things in perspective. Verses 10 and 11, chapter 4. But the Lord said, You have been so concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. But Jonah, Nineveh has more than 120,000 people and many cattle as well. And the people can't see their right hand from their left. Should I not be concerned about this great city? God challenges Jonah on his righteousness. Jonah states his anger about the removal of the shade. And God says again to Jonah, do you have any right to be angry? You are more worried about the shade that provided you comfort than you are about my own people. Jonah, there are more than 120,000 people in this country that you're asking me to destroy. Why? Should I not be concerned about these people, Jonah? Should I not want to save them? Well, chapter 4, verse 11 the book abruptly stops at this point. But in my own imagination, I don't think God stopped talking to Jonah. And I kind of think God went on to tell Jonah how foolishly he had been acting. And I imagine God reminding Jonah that he always, that he always provides a way of salvation. And I imagine God reminding Jonah <laughs> of the salvation that he provided for him, saving him from death in that ocean. So, Dr. Deuce, what's the point? <laughs> I really wasn't wanting a response. <laughs> that was a rhetorical question. That's what we were taught in preaching lab. What's the point? What's the point of the message? What's the message God is trying to send to us through this prophet story? I believe it's the same message that Jesus told the disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And Jesus also taught them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, folks, even though we're Christians, we're not exempt from wanting to be comfortable. Jonah wasn't exempt either. He put himself and his comforts before the salvation of the Ninevites. And I'm reminded of exactly why Jesus came into this world to begin with. It was to save it. And to reconcile a sinful world to the Father. Not to shun those who do evil, but to love them. God's plan is that no one would perish. And it should be ours. 
My prayer today is that our obedience to God would be totally and completely unconditional. When God asks us to go here or to do this, that we could say, as the prophet Isaiah did, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Are you at a place in your life today where you can say yes to God? Where you can say yes to God unconditionally? Not putting any conditions on what He asked of you, the places He asked you to go, or are you still putting conditions on what God asked you to do? Folks, I pray that today, I pray that today, you would ask God to search your heart and reveal anything that's standing in the way of Him doing what He wants to with you. Can you honestly say, as Jesus did in the garden, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. If you can honestly say this this morning, then I say hallelujah. Good for you. That is awesome. But if you can't, I pray that you would make a conscious choice to change your heart and your mind. The altars are open this morning if you need to make that decision.